Welcome to the Graphic Audio Behind the Mic podcast. These podcasts will feature author interviews and behind-the-scenes interviews with our cast, directors, and crew. Today's podcast features Michael John Casey's interview with author Stephen Blackmore. In this interview, MJ talks to Mr. Blackmore about his standalone title, City of the Lost, and his Eric Carter series, in which both properties are now produced in graphic audio. With us today is Stephen Blackmore, the author of the books City of the Lost, Eric Carter One, Dead Things, and Eric Carter Two, Broken Souls, and the upcoming Eric Carter Three, Hungry Ghosts. Uh, we had previously had a, a conversation that did not take in a recording, so we're going to be kind of mulling over the, some of the same territory and also kind of asking a few new questions uh, for the audience. So, Stephen, one of the things that we had talked about before and that I, I would like to touch on again is that one of the main characters in all of these books has been the character of Los Angeles. And uh, how important has that been as a touchstone for you, the writer, and also focusing it for the reader slash listener? Uh, well, for myself, uh, just just in, in terms of my writing, I live in Los Angeles. And uh, on looked at one way, it's easier for me because I, I simply know the city. But right. also... Uh, there is there is a lot here that people don't really know about. A lot, Los Angeles has sort of a a mythical uh, place in in people's minds, kind of like New York does uh, or Paris or, or or something like that, where people may not know anything about it, but they think that they do, or they have a glimpse of it from particularly with LA from from Hollywood and from television. And uh, one of the things that I like about writing about Los Angeles is showing people uh, the things that are hidden just around the corner. There are a lot of little details about L.A., about L.A.'s history, about uh, the, uh, the way that the city works, that, uh, the, the people and, and all that. And I like being able to talk about that. And so... Uh, for the Eric Carter books uh, in particular, but I've, I've also set other things in, in Los Angeles. Uh, I like stepping into that simply because uh, I'm already talking about a hidden world with, uh, with the magic and, and so on, and kind of tying that into a, a sort of hidden Los Angeles is, is fun for me. For the audience who has not yet heard any uh, of the uh, either City of the Lost or any of the two of the Eric Carter series, obviously they do both take place in Los Angeles, but they have crossover characters. And I was wondering, uh, this also being a part of the previous conversation, was there any plan to have those characters interact of Joe Sunday and Eric Carter? And what was the initial plan for, was there a, a series or was it meant to be just an Eric Carter series or was it... Or is City of the Lost meant to be a one-off? Can you go into that a little bit? Uh, yeah, it was. It was actually uh, a sort of a change in plans after I wrote uh, Dead Things. Uh, the first book, City of the Lost, uh, is about Joe Sunday. He's a, a thug for hire. He gets killed, brought back to life, and discovers that he's he's in the middle of this uh, uh, this world and this situation that he had no concept of previously. Uh, of magic and demons and vampires and all that. 
And I wrote that book, and uh, my publisher put that out, and then I gave them Dead Things. And as they were reading it, they came back and said, hey, you know, the the idea that, that I pitched to them was um, that each book would be a different character set in the world. And so uh, it wouldn't be restricted to a particular character, but being able to operate within this, this larger context uh, of this story world. So City of the Lost had Joe Sunday, Dead Things has... Eric Carter, who's a necromancer, uh, who's been away from Los Angeles for the last 15 years, and comes back when his, he finds that his sister's been murdered. The next book was going to be a different character, also in the, in the same vein. And when, they, when my publisher read uh, Dead Things, they asked, hey, could we, could we just do this as uh, a series of Eric Carter? Could we just, you know, go with him? Because uh, they felt that and, and I agree with them that uh, he's a more interesting character than Sunday. And I think he's a pretty compelling character. And so sticking with him in a series uh, just not only makes more sense, but I think it's just more interesting for, for people to read and certainly for me to write. So that was, that was the plan. Uh, there's actually a character in City of the Lost who shows up in the second Eric Carter book, Broken Souls, uh, the Bruja, who's a, uh, a woman who, she's a mage like Eric Carter is, who's, uh, his specialty is necromancy. Um, but she runs sort of this halfway house uh, in downtown Los Angeles for, uh, as she calls them, displaced supernaturals. Right. Uh, vampires down on, her, on their luck, things like that. And the original plan was that the third book, which turned into Broken Souls, was going to be her book. So... I didn't want to lose that. So I sort of repurposed bits of it and uh, her thread, her story in broken souls is, is sort of a, a, a cross from, uh, from my previous idea. So there's a lot of crossover between characters and uh, I'm planning on doing more of that as I grow uh, this story world. Uh, Hungry ghosts doesn't go into it quite as much, but there are uh, connections to characters uh, that show up in uh, City of the Lost uh, as well. So there's, there is that, that crossover in, in story world. Uh, I've also been doing some short stories set in that and uh, actually have one that came out uh, recently in uh, a magazine called Fireside. Uh, it's, it's online and, um, uh, that's a Bruja story. Oh, great. And so I, I still, I still want to do that. I still want to have those, that, those, uh, characters, uh, in different situations and new characters in the same world and, and all that. But in terms of the books right now, it's just, it's just focusing on Eric Carter. But in other areas, I, I plan on doing more more things with other characters. It's interesting you say that because some of the reviews we've had uh, on our website for uh, that's graphicaudio.net have mentioned the Bruja character, people who've listened to City of the Lost and then listened to uh, Eric Carter too. One uh, person specifically said they were just glad that the the Bruja character came back and they they actually had said, like, I hope they have more of her in the next book. So, I mean, the characters themselves... 
extremely, uh, you had mentioned before that they're more, you know, that Eric Carter was an interesting character to be brought into. And he's kind of an antihero, you know, he's not, he, he's been off on his own and been uh, conflicted about his past, but he's been serving himself for the most part for the, like the 15 years he's been away from LA. And I think that kind of like that, I guess, broken man quality about him, about we kind of, uh, watching people struggle is more interesting than watching them succeed because we already oh, know. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like, uh, when you're watching a fight, you're interested in whoever's losing at that time. You know, that's why we, we root for mm-hmm. Rocky or we, we're always interested in who's not winning the sword fight in whatever movie it is. You know, they we want to figure out if they're going to be able to get out of this, you know, good guy or bad guy. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about was, in bringing some of these characters back, one of the actors actually. Uh, oh, first off, let me just mention that the Bruhawk character was played by uh, one of our actors, Nora Ashradi, who is predominant. She she shows up a lot in a lot of other books and very very talented. And she herself was stoked to hear that the Bruhawk character came back for Eric Carter too. And so when I mentioned I was going to be speaking to you, she wanted to know, yeah, you know, how soon before the next Bruhawk situation? And I'll let her know about the. Um, the short story. Uh, some of this information you can get online at stephenblackmore.com, and he's also on Twitter at, at, St- at sblackmore. Um, Viv- the woman who played Vivian in the uh, in the first and second Eric Carter books, an actress here called Eva Wilhelm, she wanted to know because uh, we both kind of had the same kind of a same take on it that that the character of Vivian is like a bold, self assured character, and she reflects some of. Eric's misgivings, a great number of his misgivings as being his ex-girlfriend. And she wanted to know if there was any kind of like side life for the character of Vivian in the future. Uh, I hope so. Um, uh, right now I'm, I'm writing uh, Hungry Ghosts, which is a departure for me because it actually doesn't take place in Los Angeles. Oh, interesting. Uh, so there, there are a lot of characters who who are in the previous books who don't show up, but in some capacity, some of them do in, in strange ways. What I'm hoping, however, uh, I don't have a contract right now, but if, uh, if my publisher wants, uh, more Eric Carter books, which, you know, crossing fingers, yeah. uh, I actually have, uh, I have three more, uh, in mind, uh, that go back to Los Angeles. And so, a lot of those same characters are still involved with that. The Bruja, certainly. I mean, she's, she's a very key character. She's, she's actually my favorite to write. Right. And, uh, Vivian, uh, there are some things there that, cause there's a lot of unresolved items and, and, and events for Eric, uh, with her. And, uh, and there's for for our our listeners. No, sorry. For our listeners who don't know, the character of Vivian is also a mage who happens to be a doctor. So there's this level of like, she has abilities in the magic realm. And she also has abilities as a doctor that, you know, she takes care of some people who have powers as well. So I'm sorry, continue. Just want to throw that in. Oh yeah. No, no. And and, and in fact, that's one of the things, that's one of the things that I, I wrote her that way specifically because, I, I wanted a character who is very self-assured, who's very successful. And once, you know, 15 years ago, Eric disappears, she's got a life of her own and she's able to grow that. And that's one of, one of her, the uh, part of her arc is that, you know, she's moved on 
And uh, not only that, but who she is is very much in direct conflict with who Eric is. He's very focused on, because of his abilities with necromancy, he's very focused on death. Because of her abilities and what she cares about, she's very focused on the living. And so they they bump heads just by being uh, just by being who they are right. and, and how they see the world. Uh, and it's and, and Eric's particular skills have also colored who he is and how he sees the world. So in a lot of ways, he can be very fatalistic. Mm-hmm. And in other ways, um, he's also, I, I think, uh, very hopeful. Um, but they, they aren't, he's not normal. <laughs> I mean, he, he just, he sees the world through this lens of death. And so things are just very different for him than they are for most people. You had mentioned, uh, there've been a number of reviews on our, our website, uh, that's created a, a, a good amount of buzz for when we have the opportunity to work on, uh, doing, um, Eric Carter three hungry ghosts. Is there anything you can give, uh, us as information about that release without being a spoiler? Um, it ties up the previous two books. Uh, there is, uh, the main antagonist throughout the, the series is, uh, uh, Santa Muerte, which is very simply, uh, Mexican folk saint of death. And there's, there's a lot written about her. She, her, you can call it a cult, but when you've got something like 15 million people following you, it's, it's kind of hard to call it a cult anymore. Um, and as the, and, and I took that idea and, uh, uh, turned that and turned her into, uh, the antagonist for the series. And so Eric gets embroiled in, uh, things with her and in the second book in broken souls, he's trying to find a way out of it and finding that things get more complicated than he realized. And in uh, hungry ghosts, uh, a lot of that gets resolved, not everything, but, uh, I think most of it. And, uh, some of the things that happen in there, I'm planning on using to, uh, springboard into the next one. Oh, excellent. Uh, shifting gears, was there anything specific? And I, I mentioned, obviously I'd mentioned this question before in our previous conversation, but was there anything specific in listening to City of the Lost or, excuse me, City of the Lost or uh, the Eric Carter books that was like something you hadn't, a sound effect or a performance that you hadn't quite thought of then when you heard it, it was a surprise, uh, you know, either something that was uh, unforeseen in that way. Um, and I'm, yes, I'm actually and, pointing, and towards, some, it, I'm pointing towards something specific, too, from the conversation we had before that you'd okay. mentioned. Um, and if I, if I can remember it correctly, but, uh, well, I mean, you, you did the voice for Joe Sunday and City of the Lost and, and nailed it. And you also did the voice for Eric Carter and they are different and the performance is different. And, uh, and, and I think you, you captured the characters really well with those. Uh, but it was, it was at first surprising to me because my, my brain goes, is, is that what he sounds like? And it took me not long, probably maybe five minutes before I went, okay, yeah, this works. Um, and, and honestly, 
uh, I think a lot of that was simply because I had just listened to City of the Lost, right? And so I had I had that I had your voice as Joe Sunday in my head, and now it's you know your voice as Eric, and again a very different performance. Um, you know, so it was a little jarring for me right there, but uh, I think it worked out really well. Well, the thing, um, the thing specific I was oh, thinking I, about was when uh, is in the course of City of the Lost in an early section when Eric is uh, handcuffed in the, oh, uh, in the oh, building, and there was a sound the, effect that you hadn't ex- the, you hadn't thought about. Thumbs. Yeah, the the breaking thumbs. There's there's a scene in City of the Lost where a character has to get out of handcuffs, and so to do that he breaks his own thumbs. Yeah. And when I wrote that, I was like, okay, yeah, he does it. And I, and I tried to, you know, make it, make it read like, okay, yeah, this is gross. And that would, you know, but I had never really thought about what that would really sound like. (laughs) And there's a sort of, sort of groaning wet snap, uh, that, uh, that you use as a sound effect. In in uh, in City of the Lost, that just made me cringe. Um, <laughs> I, ha- I have to give props. So visceral. I have to give props to Patrick Stratton, who uh, was the sound designer on that project. He uh, he was really he and I like you know hunkered down on a few things, and definitely he he brought a lot to that project. So I I have to give definite props to Patrick Stratton. I'm sorry. Continue. He did it. No, he did a did a fantastic job. Um, and 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 one one thing that that did jump out at me honestly was how perfect so many of the voices are. Uh, there's a character in City of the Lost uh, named Sandro Giovetti, and he's this sort of old crotchety uh, character, and uh, the actor playing him just nailed it, and uh, uh, to the point where the inflection that he used was exactly what I had in my head when I was writing it. Yeah. It was a little creepy. The, uh, that uh, actor, <laughs> Terrence Aselford is the name of that, that actor. He's uh, one of our stalwarts here at graphic audio. And, uh, when I'm directing a project, one of the first things I think of is like, all right, I got to use Terrence again. Cause the guy is awesome. So like, uh, definitely he's a, he's an in-house guy we have here. Who's also a director of other audiobooks. And, uh, I, I'm a, you know, it's like, you know, the guy sits at, at a desk a few feet away from me, but I'm like one of his biggest fans. Uh, so I think he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. One other question I wanted to ask you was, um, that since you've heard, uh, and I take it since now you've heard also uh, Broken Souls that like was there has there been a shift uh, in are you writing do you find yourself like maybe you know writing things in a more graphic or a more cinematic sense since you've heard some of these things you know producing graphic audio um, it's definitely helped me with uh with visualizing certain things. Um, I, I was, I was listening to broken souls and, uh, there were actually some things in there that went, Oh, wait a minute. I got to remember this because I need to call back to it in, in hungry ghosts. Oh, okay. Uh, and it, it helped immensely, uh, in terms of, of things like, you know, more cinematic, uh, I'm definitely trying to keep in mind. In fact, I, I keep going back and listening to, uh, uh, the graphic audio of Dead Things and, and Broken Souls uh, just to keep in mind 
the the sounds and the way it was done it because it really it really worked for me um and that's been that's been a great help um it's kind of it's kind of like when uh when writing i will i'll write a scene uh, particularly with dialogue and then i will actually speak it out loud to hear it mm-hmm. because on the page I, it might look, oh yeah, that looks fine, and then then actually hearing it, going, wow, that was really bad. Why? What the hell was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this has helped me put a a uh, a different level, a different layer on things that uh, that's been fantastic for me. It's it's really helped. Well, I have to say that that especially in, you were saying that you like the actors that we we, we picked, uh, you know, we cast in these roles, is that. I think it was the writing itself that made me go, oh, this is a great role. I just by reading what you wrote, I knew exactly who to cast. Like if you think that the casting was good, I would have to turn it back on you and say, well, you wrote good characters. And that made it easy for for me to cast specific people in specific roles, especially the Bruja played by Nora Schrati and the guy played uh, Sandra Giavetti, Terrence Aselford. And because he also uh, Terrence also shows up in Eric Carter one. He plays. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna lose my head about. He plays the um, the mage who's having prob. Uh, who helps them get into. Oh jeez, I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna kick myself. <laughs> the older guy I, who. I'm the older to... guy who's uh, whose powers have faded. Who had helped. Um, oh would... yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ellis. Ellis, Henry that's Ellis. right, Ellis. Yeah, Henry Ellis. So he, you yeah. know, I immediately, like I said, uh, I, I was like, I got to use uh, Terrence again. And when I read the role of Henry Ellis, and I wrote it, I read it in the script. I was like, oh, that's that's it, you know, like yeah, he he's, he definitely was perfect for that. Yeah, and I, I but I, yeah, but I, it's a well crafted character is easy to cast. And I think it's uh, some of the other books I've worked on here, Graphic Audio. Sometimes, you know, you're reading the script or you're looking over the book before you get the adapted script and you just don't know who to put in there because the character's not clear enough. You know, even on the page, you're like, you know, who is this Mm -hmm. lady or who is this guy? But with both of those or with a lot of the characters I find in your books, I'm like right away. I was like, oh, you know, they're so identifiable that I'm more interested in following them on the page because they're so clear. And that makes me want to, you know, follow them more. Um, on your website, you, uh, you're very candid about the fact that you were having some, and this is shifting gears again, uh, some struggles with finishing, uh, Hungry Ghost. And I found that like really refreshing mm-hmm. and just like, just, you know, ballsy, honest. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, uh, Hungry Ghost is incredibly late. I'm, I'm still working on it. Uh, I hope to get it into my publisher by the end of this month. It's uh, it was due uh, last November. Um, a lot of things came up, uh, just life stuff um, that that got in the way and and things got got pushed out. Uh, so I I realized as it was coming up to time that that it was actually going to be coming out. I was not going to be hitting that mark. Um, I posted, uh, a couple of things about, Hey, this is, you know, the, the stuff that I have right now is crap. I, I actually wrote most of the book and realized that it was, it was not going to work at all. And I, I had to go back and tear the whole thing down and, and start it back up again. You know, I mean, it really comes down to, 
I thought the book was crap and did not want to inflict that on anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am much, much happier with what I've got now. And, and I think this works out much better. There are, there are some things that unfortunately I, I, I thought about, can I keep this, uh, from the previous draft and just like, no, that's, that's so not going to work. So, you know, maybe some things will, will pop up in later books, but, uh, for, for Hungry Ghosts, uh, it was a complete teardown and, and build up from scratch. I know I myself, as a, as a reader, uh, as well as now an official uh, Stephen Blackmore fan, cannot wait to, to get a chance to read Hungry Ghosts. Um, one other thing uh, that is mentioned on your website is that you've done some writing for some tie, tie-in novella for the NB series Heroes Reborn. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, this, this was... Um... This one's kind of funny to me. I, uh, it's one of those know a guy who knows a guy things, uh-huh. but, uh, I, I got a gig writing in novella for, uh, Heroes Reborn. And it focuses on one of the characters, uh, one of the antagonists in the, uh, in the series. Um, and there are, I think, five other authors. Timothy Zahn wrote one. Uh, Dwayne Straczynski wrote one, and, and uh, I think Kevin J. Anderson wrote one of the novellas. And um, the the interesting thing to me about it is that they are all directly tied into specific, either specific characters or specific events in the series. Um, and, and so uh, the one I wrote, for example... Uh, they were they were saying okay we're going to have to hold off on putting this one out because it's a massive spoiler for this particular character. Oh. Uh, so you know you don't want to you don't want to ruin that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it looks like actually uh, they they keep bumping the the date around for the release. So right now I think it's middle of this month that uh, that they're coming out. Uh, originally they were sp- it was supposed to be. Um, uh, Mid October, then I've got pu- pushed out to end of November, and you know. So I, I think what they're trying to do is is figure out the best time to get them out, so that um, uh, so that people will be interested enough to, to read them, yeah. um, and and vice versa. Also, you know, using using the novellas to enhance the story of the series. So it was a lot of fun doing that, um, and, and I, I got a chance to read. Uh, a few of the episodes uh, beforehand, and okay. I've been watching the series because uh-huh. uh, I, I needed that information in, in order to just know what was going on enough to be able to actually, actually put together put this uh, put the novella together. And uh, watching the show and comparing it to what I remember from the scripts, it's been interesting. Uh, I, I think they're doing a really good job with it. I've I've been enjoying it and. Uh, uh, they've gotten past the point of the scripts that I've read. So now it's all new to me. It's like, okay, now, now, now what's really going to happen next? Um, so that's been fun. Cool. I'm going to sh- sh- shift gears again and talk about something that, um, some people had brought up on some of our online reviews that are on our website is that they enjoyed the humor of what happens to these characters, uh, for, uh especially uh, from, and these are from, uh, city of the lost and the Eric Carter series that they they found themselves laughing at things that they probably shouldn't be laughing at. And uh, I guess one of my questions is, because of 
the heightened situations that you put these characters in, Sunday being this uh, former leg breaker and strong arm guy for uh, for a, a mob boss who then becomes uh, one of the undead and has to kind of solve his own situation, as well as Eric Carter, who's this kind of like, uh, who's a necromancer, who's kind of like a private eye. He's like, you know, he's, he's off, he's a bit of a Seamus and has to uh, find out um, who killed his sister in the first book. But um, was there something about the humor of these characters that kind of like either makes them fun to write or or is it the fact that you're putting these interesting characters in situations that end up being funny? I mean, where do you think the humor comes from? Is it from the characters or the situations that they're put in? I think I'm just a sick bastard, actually. <laughs> uh, Honesty is always the best policy. I, I completely agree. Uh, some of it is is definitely the characters, and particularly with Joe Sunday, a lot of it was extrapolating into the situations. You know, here's here's somebody who uh, he doesn't have a heartbeat. He doesn't he's he doesn't breathe anymore. Uh, what does that do to him? He's not sleeping. What's that like? And uh, he also has problems with uh, if he's if he goes too long within a particular situation, he actually will start to fall apart. Um, so he's normal most of the time until he's very much not. And uh, then there's a certain messiness quality to that. So, okay, what does that mean? What, what, what would that do to it? And uh, so, a lot, so a lot of that comes out of the situation for me. Just there, there's an absurdity to... Uh, there's an absurdity to the idea of magic. Right. Uh, there's an absurdity to to this, you know, secret society of mages. You know, what? It, how do they really operate? And, and I, I kind of, I kind of took it at the idea of it's kind of like Fight Club. You know, some of those things you just don't talk about. Right. Um, and and so a lot of that, a lot of that is where the the humor comes from for me. But really, at the core of it, it's I'm a sick bastard. <laughs> there was actually something uh, someone had mentioned about. Uh, the awkwardness of having to deal with other zombies. Uh, there's an interaction that uh, that uh, Joe Sunday has in City of the Lost where um, there's another zombie and he has to, you know, get rid of him and get deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it ends up, it's, it's like trying to clean up a mess in your house. It's like, oh, I got to mop this and do that. And he's so yeah. focused on the details, the kind of banal details of... Of, of getting all this stuff done that I myself, when I read the script, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I wish we were filming this because this would be hysterical, you know, just like the, the kind of awkwardness of it all. And the same with um, with Eric Carter, when he has to deal with people who are trying to to get at him, he has a very, he has a very like just cavalier way of like, you know, maybe it's because he's a bit of a, it's mentioned psychopath and other people in reviews have mentioned a sociopath, but I, I almost feel like he's like this, you know, a high functioning sociopath where he's not, he's, he's able to, I, I think, I think Joe Sunday is definitely. And, and when I wrote, when I wrote Sunday, I did have that in mind. Oh. Uh, to me, he's very much, he's very much a, a sociopath. Uh, and so for him cleaning up a body is like, okay, well, it's a mess. I have to clean up the mess. Yeah. Um, and it's very matter of fact. And Carter I I tried to write him a little differently, so he still has a lot of that same thing. But for him, uh, the way I looked at it was uh, more. 
his experiences and what he has seen uh, has informed a lot of that cavalier attitude. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's, he's used to seeing death in such a violent way that it doesn't even phase him anymore. Uh, that simply is reality. It's kind of like being a being a nurse, and okay, well, I have a lot of shit to clean up because you know this patient did this thing, and it, after a while, it just becomes very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to do with that. And and it run, he runs into some issues with some characters because of that, because it doesn't even occur to him. Partly because he's been pretty much on his own for the last fifteen years, it doesn't occur to him that. When he says a particular thing, not everybody necessarily sees it that way, and so they they you know look at him funny and take a step back. Uh, there's there's a scene where he's talking uh, to uh, to his ex girlfriend Vivian, uh, where he sort of casually mentions, "Oh yeah, I got this thing off a guy I killed in Texas." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then wait, oh wow, uh, did I say that out loud? Sorry, yeah, he, you know? yeah, they got the car. I yeah, I took this car from some guy I killed, you know, and it's like, wow, right. slow down. Yeah, exactly, and so that that's kind of where where I was coming from uh, with him. Um, so the I, I think Sunday and and Carter have some similarities, but I think they're also coming from very different places. So one of the things that made it interesting to me in comparing the two is that, like, uh, you kind of feel for Eric at the beginning because he has this loss of his sister. And with Sunday, he's just this is this animal in a way who, what you mentioned before, suddenly he doesn't have a heartbeat. But it's that thing of, like, by the time we get to the end of City of the Lost, this guy has kind of found his humanity. He's kind of got a heart at the end of that thing, even though it doesn't work. Because of the feelings, you know, the situation that he's been put in has kind of, you know, altered him so that, like, he has these feelings for another character and you don't know where that's going to lead and you don't know how he's going to continue on as this undead thing. Whereas before he died, he was kind of this, you know, unliving monster, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, that, and and yeah, that was that was and thank you. Uh, that was intentional. Oh great! Uh, Nailed I, it! I saw, Nailed it! <laughs> <laughs> I I saw him when I was writing him as uh, he was a monster before he became a monster. Right. And after uh, after he died, he does find uh, a greater connection to uh, to some things. Partly because uh, he's not just in this new state, but a lot of the things that he took for granted have been shown to him to be lies. Right, and uh, and he's he's forced to, he's been forced to uh, uh, confront what all this really means, and he's 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 uh, out of his depth uh, in more ways than one. Uh, there's a uh, there's a comment that uh, that I, I think some that summed up summed him up for me uh, early on where uh, somebody just says you know you're just a useful tool and who yeah. he is at that time that's very much it he he takes orders he does things and, and you know you tell him to go you know shoot this guy he goes and he shoots that guy um, but all that gets stripped away. And now he has to completely operate on his own. He's got no support system. 
Uh, he doesn't know where to turn. He doesn't know what's going on. He's looking for answers. And uh, a fundamental difference, I think, also with uh, bet- between Sunday and Carter is Sunday's a fish out of water. Uh, Carter knows this world that he's operating in intimately. Um, and, and so I, that, that kind of changes how I approached it. Uh, there are questions that Carter might have, but none of them are about magic. Yeah. Uh, he knows how his world works. He knows all these different things. And, um, and, uh, in coming up with his backstory, uh, I've had to also look back at, okay, well, at some point he didn't know all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's, you know, what's happened in the last 15 years since he left Los Angeles and dead things begins. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of that as well. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's, that, that's kind of how I just approached, uh, the differences between them. Apart from Eric Carter, do you have any other, like, I don't know, there are any other unexplored areas you're looking towards apart from, say, like, you know, this necromancy character in the, you mentioned that Eric Carter 3 takes place outside of L.A., but is there, like, another, I don't want to say, like, another milieu, but another, another genre you're looking towards after you finish up with this? Um, I'm I'm asking, I'm kind of asking that question as a fan, like, you know, after we finish up, maybe we finish up the Eric Carter like storyline. I'm like, I'm I'm curious to where where Stephen Blackmore is going next, as opposed to the character. I I actually have a couple of standalone ideas in mind. Um, I did uh, I did I, I like staying within the somewhat of a of a darker crime. Uh, world which which both uh City of Lost and, and the Art Carter books uh operate in. And I kinda wanna step outside of that for, for a couple of things. So I'm I'm looking at uh at an idea that's not quite like that. Still within within sort of the paranormal um but not as much reservoir dogs. Right. Um so there's some things like that. At some point, I actually do want to do a street crime novel, um, but that's right now. Right now, I'm I'm just trying to get through Hungry Ghosts. <laughs> well, again, City of the Lost and Eric Carter One and Eric Carter Two uh, are both available at GraphicAudio.net, and you can find out more about this author Stephen Blackmore at StephenBlackmore.com and on Twitter at at, at excuse me at at s Blackmore. Uh, Steven, it's been great talking to you again, and I really cannot wait for Hungry Ghosts, uh, and I uh, wish you all the best, and please, uh, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, please do check out his other works. Um, I believe you said the other thing was uh, Fireside, what's the name of the uh, other magazine? Fireside Magazine. Fireside Fiction Magazine. Uh, Yep. Uh, I did a a story called La Bestia. Uh, that's there. There is, um, I, I did a novel for a separate series, uh, called, uh, myth breaker. Uh, that's been out for a little while and I will have an actual Eric Carter story in an anthology that I think is coming out in the summer. Uh, I actually 
did that in a collaboration with an author named Jeff Summers, uh, who has a book called We Are Not Good People. And uh, very similar to uh, to my Eric Carter books. Okay. And we both wrote from uh, our characters' perspectives and, and kind of brought them together. And it, it, I think it works really well. But uh, that should be coming out uh, in, the, in an anthology uh, sometime in the summer. Um, and uh, I'm just going to keep going. All right, man. Well, thanks again for talking to us. And uh, we look forward to seeing some more of your work out there. Thank you for having me. All righty. Take care. Take care. We would like to thank Stephen Blackmore for taking the time to talk to us. Blackmore's titles, City of the Lost, Eric Carter One: Dead Things, and Eric Carter Two: Broken Souls are now available. The third book in the Eric Carter series, Hungry Ghosts, will be released in 2016. For more information on how to purchase our graphic audio titles, visit us on the web at www.graphicaudio.net, where you can purchase our titles in audio CD or in one of our download formats, MP3, M4B, and FLAC. And you can listen to your downloads anytime, anywhere with our free graphic audio access app, available for Apple and Android devices. Make sure you sign up for our e-newsletter, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter. Twitter.